This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Of course, it's usually Monday we have EJ on, but with President's Day and all that, we figured it'd be better to push you today. And good thing we did because we had another deal to uh, talk about. How are you, sir? We do. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Getting ready for the trade deadline next week and the deals of the Devils fans, I guess, are... You know, uh, I guess they have a lot on their plate in, uh, you know, in a couple of trades that took place there. And we're going to have more around the league over the next several days. It's the time of year when all the team's fans are activated because you're either looking to get people or you're yeah. looking for people. So uh, it'll be a very interesting uh, couple of days. And we'll have a full day of coverage from the morning all the way till the end of the day on NHL Network. So hockey fans can check us out and because the trading deadline is monday we'll do ej next tuesday it seems silly yeah. obviously he's too busy and we want to wait until after the deadline uh to talk about all the deals although as you said some have trickled down before as usually uh is the case and because we were delayed a day with our podcast we were able to see the tyler Toffoli deal as he goes from la yeah. to vancouver your thoughts on that um, I think it was probably a good trade for both teams. I mean, I think the Kings got as good a return as they possibly were going to get. I mean, they got a second-round pick. They got, a, I think, a prospect with some upside in Tyler Madden. Uh, everybody pretty much knows Tyler's dad, John, who played for the, the uh, Devils for many years and uh, multiple Stanley Cup winner, as he also won with the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, so... I think, you know, he's at Northeastern right now, although the young man is injured. I think he broke his one of his fingers, and so he's going to miss some time there. But he's got uh, he's had a propensity to to come up big in big moments, kind of like his dad in that way a little bit. Yep. And, uh, so I think for L.A., you get a second-round pick. You get a, uh, you get a prospect that you like. And uh, there are some reports even that L.A. tried to draft, tried to trade with Vancouver for that pick that year, and they couldn't make it happen. So they may have been eyeing uh, Tyler Madden for a while. And uh, they take on Tim Schaller for the end of the year, his contract, just to make the money work with Tafolia for Vancouver. Uh, Jim Benning has just had a press conference in Vancouver where he's been talking about his injury situation there, most namely Brock Besser likely out for the rest of the regular season. They're mm-hmm. hoping that uh, you know if they do make the playoffs that he could be back at some point for that, but uh, uncertain. So they go out and get a right shot. Uh, winger that can score goals and uh, you know help them push forward this year as they try to secure a playoff spot. So I think for both teams, a uh, pretty good deal. Yeah, I'm not exactly uh, sure that Vancouver can win a cup, but when you're in the Pacific no. Division with the format, you can very easily find yourself in the conference final. And if for some reason, say St. Louis got knocked off before you get to the conference final, you might Correct. you yeah. might find yourself sitting in the Stanley Cup final, and I, and I don't think anybody would spit on that opportunity. So, um, no, not at all. And, and the Canucks have like a number of really good young people in their organization that they see as people who are going to be part of their group moving forward, and so you know that is the uh, you know that's part of it for them. They feel like you know they can afford to move uh, Tyler Madden as a talented prospect with the idea that they've got guys that they believe will be coming to their system. In fact, Jim Benning said, his words, he said, conservatively, I think we have seven forwards that could be on this team in the next two years. So right. uh, he's dealing from a little bit of position of strength, and that's why it's good to to draft good and to draft well because you put yourself in a position to have assets to move. And this Pacific Division, as we've talked about many times before, has been crazy. The leader of it right now, 
the Edmonton Oilers. They've won a couple of games in a row. They are tied in points with Vegas, but they've played two less games. But the problem is no Connor McDavid for the next couple of weeks. They just lost Clefbaum for a while. Um, so they've got their share of injuries that they're having to deal with there in Edmonton. And what exactly, how do you feel about that team and what they could possibly do at the deadline? Because they're kind of in the same boat as Vancouver, right? Trying to win a division and maybe find themselves a chance to get to the conference finals for the first time in forever. You know, but right now there's just so many real important pieces that are out for them. Well, I don't think they're in the same boat because I don't think they have the plethora of players in their system they feel comfortable moving one of them right so i think vancouver is a little better bargaining position in that regard um you know kenny holland is playing with the house money he's in the first year of a long deal he's made some changes to his his organization from his standpoint right i mean he doesn't necessarily have to do anything he's not trying to save his job uh, he would like to get this team in the playoffs i'm sure i'm sure there's a certain amount of pressure from the canadian market but I think you got to be really happy with what's happened of late. I mean, even with McDavid out, Leon Dreisaitl has just, you know, he's been off the charts. Yeah, he's great. I mean, uh, he has been, you know, alongside Ryan Nugent Hopkins and and uh, the young player Kaylor Yamamoto. I mean, that those three guys have really taken off points-wise, production-wise. And, and the good news is that because they've been so good that when McDavid comes back, I mean, you could play McDavid now on a different line and, and maybe Kenny Holland adds a little bit of a piece to help him offensively, and and all the time you have a little bit more depth. And if you could, you know, you could stay, uh, you know, healthy with your group MD as best you can. And uh, you know, they do play kind of a, you know, they have a coach there that uh, can coach to play, you know, to win games in which they have the lead. Um, you know, and their goaltending has been good enough of late, particularly like Mike Smith and Koskinen have been uh, have been good enough. So. I'll be curious to see where it goes yeah. with the Oilers and what and Kenny and, decides to do, but uh, they've got to be thrilled that you know young Yamamoto is kind of finding his way in the league now because he was a high draft pick. And another piece missing is Cassian, and he's kind of become the Nazem Kadri of the Edmonton Oilers. Where well, you know how much can you trust in him? He, you know, seven game suspension, which I thought was fair. I didn't buy his excuse that he was trying to loosen up the leg. If anything, I think Archibald had more of his leg. I thought uh, it was. I thought it was a, a light, to be honest. With you. Yeah, I I, 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 absolutely. But you know, it just yeah. the fact is, you go into the playoffs, and you know he's important piece at, at yeah. times. You know, getting a chance to play with McDavid. Uh, and Dreisaitl, and I would think the next indiscretion can cost them even more time. And so if you do make the playoffs, that's a guy that becomes that cadre situation. What stupid thing is he going to do that's going to disable you know one of your lines? And if you're an opponent, I think you try to get under his skin. Oh, and it seems he's as easy to do. <laughs> he's shown, especially with uh, Kachuk and in other situations, that he, that he has the short fuse. So... Um, you know, but he has had a pretty good year. He had the 14 goals, and uh, they've rewarded him with a uh, long-term contract extension. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know how that how that works over time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, he's going to have to play within, you know, in between the lines as best he can because uh, you just can't have those kind of things in the postseason. They're devastating to your chances in an individual game or a series. And, uh, you know, he's a helpful player for them. He does create space. He's, uh, you know, he's somebody that has shown the ability to score around the net and to be able to play with the good, you know, with the top players on their team when asked to. So, um, you know, it's nice to be helpful, but it's also, uh, you know, just as uh, detrimental to get yourself into trouble and get yourself either penalized in games that put your team behind the eight ball or suspended for long periods of time. So, yeah, he's uh 
he's been a little bit of a wild card this year, and when he comes back, he's going to have to toe the line a little bit better. You know, talking uh, so much about Henrik Lundqvist and what's going to happen with him, uh, the the feeling seems to be there isn't a fit for him to get dealt at this deadline. I'm wondering if the Grubauer injury changes that at all. I'm not sure how serious it is. First it was day-to-day, now out indefinitely. Um, Does that kind of open things up? It's still a big big risk. He's got another year left on his contract, but does this Grubauer injury get the avalanche thinking of making a move? Well, it's a great question. I mean, and again, it comes back to Henrik, what he wants to do. I mean, he has to be willing to move anywhere if before you can even talk about it. So, uh, you know, whether the Avalanche are interested or not, it doesn't necessarily matter. It does appear that the Rangers are giving him a taste of the future with uh, the the way they have used them. I mean, he has not played a heck of a lot over the last several weeks. I mean, you would know the the exact numbers way more than me having done the game. Well, the last appearance was last Tuesday, a week, a week ago today. We're yeah. leaving uh, Shesterkin for six minutes in Winnipeg. Yeah. So now we're going back to the week. Polls, before. Right. What's that? Prior to that, it was being pulled in a game against. Right. The, I forget against who the Blues. He gave up four goals on yeah. twelve shots. So it, you know. Yeah. So the last full game that he's played was that that shutout in Detroit. Yeah. So yeah. we're going on. Yeah. You know, again, he's playing pretty much once or twice every three weeks. So yeah. I don't want to beat a dead horse here. But when you look at Larry Brooks's article in the Post about how he's probably going to get bought out during the offseason, as disrespectful as that sounds, what other option is there going to be? Henrik Lundqvist thought he was going to play as the starting goaltender for the length of his contract when he said at the at the date of the letter that he was going to stay for the rebuild. So much now has changed. And if you're Hank, you got a chance to go someplace as opposed to being bought out in the summer? I I would I don't want to get in somebody's head, EJ, but to me, I, I would rather go someplace and get a chance to play rather than just sit, watch two other goaltenders play for the final 24 games of the season and then essentially get cut. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with Henrik Lundqvist because, uh, you know, I, I just can't imagine the Rangers buying him out. I, I, know I can't either. And, and, and listen, Larry, Larry didn't say he knew something. I'm, I'm just saying that that... But what would what would be the alternative, right? I mean, if they hold on to Georgiev, how going into next year, what what do you do? I mean, it does does it make a lot of sense? As much as you love and respect the guy, does it make a lot of sense to pay nine million dollars to a third string goaltender? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> um, so, I guess I the only so thing bad. I can say is that if for as for the Avalanche, if they're you know, if Henrik isn't willing to do anything, I mean, maybe they get in on Georgiev. And uh, so, no, that's... hard to say. I mean, that situation there is kind of a tricky one again because one man, uh, you know, really holds the keys to what's going to happen, and he's got complete control, at least as of now. And, uh, you know, we will we will watch and see how it plays out. If I'm the Avalanche, I would be interested. I think Henrik's got some good hockey left in him, and I think I do too. they have in Colorado uh, – you know, they've got a chance to be successful, but, you know, they have had some really significant injuries aside from group hour. Think about Ranton getting hurt last night. Yeah. yeah it looks like uh, six to eight weeks. Um, you know, and that's an injury with the uh, collarbone. Who knows, you know, how things go when you come back. Uh, you know, I think it goes varies like any injury from person to person. He's had a couple of injuries this year, too, so that's been problematic. And uh, so I think uh, – 
I think the Avalanche, you know, this is, for me, I would say this, Donnie, about the Avalanche. They're a team that I think is going to be really good for a decade. Yeah. I think they've got a lot of young talent there. So if you're Joe Sackick and Brad Smith and Chris McFarlane and that management group there, you sit down and you say, you know, like how all in do we need to go this year? I mean, we are loaded with young players. We like our team now. We hope we get healthy for the start of the playoffs. Maybe we make a tweak, tweak, but do we really want to give away, you know, really important assets, the young assets to get something to try to win right now? Um, so that's the question they'll have to answer there. I would suggest that uh, they will be conservative because of the long-term group, you know, long-term uh, hope I think they have there. So, so uh, you know. That's what I that would be well, my two cents on that. I, I I think they'll they'll try to be more conservative. So, you know, again, we'll see how it plays out there. Because again, Hank holds all the cards to all this, and nothing can happen, you know, regarding him unless he's interested in or willing to go. So, until we know that, we don't know anything. Now, we've complained about this format because so many years, oh, Nashville, Winnipeg, what a shame they're going to play in the second round. What a shame Washington, Pittsburgh is going to play in the second round. We've got something similar between Boston and Tampa, but here's the difference. These are the two best teams in the National Hockey League right now. Is it a stretch to say by far, clearly? I think that there's Boston, Tampa, and then I think there's another tier. Now, Pittsburgh yeah. gets healthy. You know, Washington right now is in kind of malaise with this whole Ovechkin 700 thing. But having seen these two teams, and I got a chance to see Boston live, second of back-to-backs, not a great game, but you just see the talent that's on that ice. I mean, is 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 there a close third? Am I, am I wrong to say there's a gap between Boston, Tampa, and everybody else? Well, I think talent-wise on the ice, I think Pittsburgh and Washington are, are, are can compete with those two teams. Um and I think, you know, St. Louis has been in another, they've been another team like Washington. They've been in a kind of uh, a down stretch for yeah, sure. Two in the last but I do 10. Like you know, and now they're going to have to deal with, uh, you know, life without Jay Boomeister, which they didn't anticipate, right? Now mm-hmm. that's a, you know, a defenseman that probably, you know, he's a probably, you know, 18, 20 minute a night defender that is long and experienced and skates, still skates well enough that it's hard to play against. And so, you know, yeah, 21, uh, over 20, 21, 34 on average per night. So you got to replace that. And, uh, you know, how do they do that now? Do they go out? I don't, I don't foresee Boomeister coming back and playing this year, if ever. So, um, you know, do you go out and get Brendan Dillon? You go out and get Alec Martinez? I don't know. So that changes the dynamic for the Blues a little bit. That's the, you know, as much as Boomeister is not the player that he once once was, he's still a significant player on that team because it changes the dynamic of their D pairs, not having him there. So uh, that may change things for St. Louis. But you know, to answer your question, I think Pittsburgh and Washington, when they're going, are are okay. you know right in the middle of those two teams. And you know, St. Louis when they're going is tough, and Colorado's had injuries, but they're a handful and. And Dallas has been playing some great hockey, and it's just hard to score again. Hey, uh, listen, so, it's February, right? So, so much yeah. can change. I'm just saying now, I just, right. I just get a feel now with 
two separate ten game winning streaks for Tampa. They yeah. picked up their eleventh last night, and they learned last last year, right? And and, and oh, you yeah. and I have both been simpatico on this. I'm not saying that Columbus wouldn't have won the series anyway. They don't sweep Tampa if Hedman's healthy, and, and yeah. so he, he's yeah. a big piece to their puzzle. So we'll see if everybody's healthy. You know, the Tampa learned their lesson last year. They. You know, they may not win the division because Boston's very good too, but boy, is that Atlantic very top heavy. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing about that Atlantic too when you talk about it, because you get a lot of games against Detroit, Ottawa, a banged up Montreal team, an underachieving Sabres team. I mean, that's, you know, and even a Florida and Toronto teams that don't defend. Yeah. So, I mean, that's your division. I mean, you really should beat Detroit and Ottawa. You probably beat Montreal with the injuries they've had. Uh, same thing. Buffalo's got very weak goaltending and doesn't really defend well. Florida and Toronto, while being like really good offensive teams, don't defend. I mean, they give up a lot of goals. Those two teams, uh, you know, I mean, they give up like fifty more goals than roughly than Boston and Tampa. So, um, you know, so I, it's not a great division. I think the teams have been able to, uh, you know, Boston and Tampa have been able to take advantage of that. But that said, you know, you got to win the games that are in front of you, and they found a way to do it. So, uh, you know, we'll see when the postseason unfolds. It's going to be a real race now for that first spot in the Atlantic, which, uh, you know, who knows how that's going to shake out, if that's good or bad to be first or second, because, uh, you know, you like you could play Toronto, you could play Florida. I guess there's any number of possibilities. But, uh, uh, you know, for me, uh, you know, Tampa and Boston are playing well. They're going to be hard outs. Just like I said, yeah. Washington and Pittsburgh have been playing well. They're going to be hard outs. And and things are really just tightening up for that wild card because I think the injuries have finally caught up with Columbus. I mean, you could really just yeah. see they just had just too many of them, and you know, uh, you know, hanging with the Rangers but not enough to win, losing to the Devils after they, they had uh, Coleman as a healthy scratch because he was about to get dealt, and Green getting dealt earlier in the day, and just couldn't well, finish had, off New Jersey. Have 50, Fifty odd shots in that game. Mackenzie Blackwood just played really well. They couldn't yeah, that, that, shoot that's... out and. But, you know, without Seth Jones, I mean, you know, there are injuries and then there are injuries. Yeah, that's right? the one. And Seth Jones is a 25, 26-minute-a-night guy that's just so impactful in every zone, in every situation. I mean, he's, he's you know, some people, might, I think you could argue he's the best defenseman in the National Hockey League. I mean, it's certainly, uh, I think he's in that conversation. So that's a huge loss oh. for a team that already has a number of other injuries. When I, when... So, uh, you know, I'll be curious to see how they go, Donnie, because they fooled us all year and, you know they're o two and two since the since Jones went down, and they're obviously going to have to play to a much better tune uh, if they're going to uh, you know get in the playoffs. But yeah. a devastating injury to have him out for that length of time. Yeah, I was in Columbus on Friday and just talking to them. That's the one. I mean, listen, Cam Atkinson is a really nice player, and they're going to miss yeah. him for sure. But you're talking about a guy that, as you said, he plays 25 minutes, power play, penalty kill. You just lose. It's like losing a bunch of different positions, right? Because there's so yeah. many things that he does and. Just to talk, just to even mention that he could be the best defenseman in the league. That, that's such a difficult thing to lose. And, yeah. you know, and, and Elvis has been good, but, you know, he's not a number one goaltender, right? He wouldn't be the number one if Corpusalo, um, didn't get hurt. And listen, Corpusalo probably wouldn't be a number one if Bobrovsky had stayed in Columbus. So, yeah, that's you know, that's true. <laughs> and they, you know what? And maybe they've lucked out because, uh, uh yeah, you're right. You know, those guys have, both of those and, guys have played excellent this year, particular, you know, Elvis's numbers have been off the chart. Now he's come back to earth a little bit lately because, Let's face it, they're probably spending more time in the defensive zone without Jones, and they're probably yeah. giving up higher quality opportunities without him. So um, 
it's a, it's a tough go. But, you know, the bigger picture for the Blue Jackets, they got to be thrilled. I mean, they got two goalies that are young goalies that are inexpensive, that are playing lights out good, whereas the Florida Panthers have a 30-year-old goalie making $10 million a year in the first year of a long-term contract that's been, quite frankly, not very good this year. So, um, you know, that one has not been uh, – you know, a big loss in terms of what's happened on the ice. The problem for the Jackets has been more of the injury issues that, uh, you know, the key players, and certainly like a Seth Jones. Yeah, there's no question um, that that's a, that's a devastating loss. And, boy, things just really heating up. Florida's been, you know, a disappointment. I, I thought they'd, they'd be better. I mean, the Rangers, they do have the games in hand, so we'll see what they can do. they got Chicago tomorrow. They've got uh, back-to-backs against Carolina and San Jose, so they had a little bump of the road against Boston, but no shame losing to you know right now no. the best team in the NHL. So we'll see what the Rangers can do here. But but Florida and Columbus and to a certain extent Philadelphia and Carolina have kind of left the door open for there to be a possibility in New York. Yeah, I I, I think uh, you know I still think that's kind of a long shot. Oh yeah, Rangers have played pretty well this year. They're a plus team this year, which is a positive. A lot of their young players have taken steps forward. Uh, you know, I was just thinking about this yesterday. The three big contracts that were signed in the offseason, right? Panarin, Carlson, and Bobrovsky. Panarin has been by far the most, uh, you know, the best value for, the, for those big dollars. I mean, I think if the Rangers were in the playoffs, I think uh, Panarin would probably be an MVP candidate, probably in the top two or three people, because yeah. the impact he has made when he's on the ice for the Rangers is, uh, you know, by all by all measurable, it has uh, been something special. And, you know, he's just having an unbelievable year for them. I mean, just look at the numbers, a plus 29. Yeah, incredible. Plus 29 as a forward. I mean, uh on a team that's barely, like I say, is barely over 500, is, uh, you know, he has just had an incredible value and just been a great player for them this year. On the flip side, you know, Eric Carlson has had all kinds of struggles and now he's hurt. He's out for the season. And, you know, I didn't really like that deal to begin with because I don't think Carlson as a defenseman doesn't really defend. Um, so that's problematic for me in terms of trying to win. And then Bobrovsky just, you know, I watched him again yesterday. I mean, uh, you know, he gives up a stinker to, to uh, Timo Meyer in the last two minutes of that game, two or three minutes, that ends up, uh, you know, putting that, that win in jeopardy, and they were able to get an empty netter and beat the Sharks. But, you know, the numbers for Bobrovsky this year, I mean, uh, you know, for someone that they're paying that kind of term and that kind of – and they're hoping for that kind of value to be at an yeah. 97 save percentage at this stage. Uh, not good. Now, the D in front of them, they don't play a great – you know, really tight system in front of them, and the D in front of them, you know, you can make a case that hasn't been great. But the bottom line is they got Sergei Bobrovsky to, to really improve that goaltending, and he is just, uh, I mean, based on the value in terms of the contract, you'd have to say it's been a very mediocre season. All right, you want to do some tweets here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, Tom says, how do you guys like the rule change that regulation wins are a tiebreaker before row wins? Has it had a noticeable impact on teams being aggressive for that regulation win instead of putting in the neutral zone at the end of the third and just to get a point? I don't think it's had that much impact on that because teams still want to make sure they get to the extra session and get the point. I mean, at the end of the day, you still need the points. But I like it because it does place more value on a regulation victory, and you know that'll be something that comes into you know, more of our focus as the season winds down. I do think this, I think the other thing is I'm sure there's a couple of teams in this league that are in that actual, actual situation that are unaware that that rule has been changed because that's my history in the past is that, 
you know, their teams or managers or coaches, they're not even yeah. aware because they're so focused on what their teams are doing and, you know, they don't think about it. So, or they, or they're just, like I say, it's a, it's a tweak to the, to things and some teams are really good about that and no one, other teams, like I say, you have to, you know, yeah, there's, I don't a, think there's it's... a general, ma- there's a general manager in this league that's going to the hall of fame that is a multiple cup winner that didn't know about a rule change one year, several years ago. No. So it happened. Yeah. It's listen. I do think that teams that win a lot of games in the shootout, it, it should lose yeah. some value, right? I mean, yeah. I, I do think that that was a good thing as far as like how it's changed the end of regulation, knowing that that point can still be valuable because you still want to finish with more points and you don't want to take yeah. a chance and having at, because I, I know it firsthand with the Rangers. They've had three separate games this year in which they've given up the game winning goal with less than a minute and a half to play. And yeah. not only did they it's lose those awesome. three points, but potentially six. Yeah. You know, so teams are going to lock down to get to that overtime in most cases, unless there's a power play or a glorious opportunity. They're going to want that point rather than Absolutely. risk getting nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no question. Now, Sam Diaz says, I know this is a stretch, but could the Rangers trade Shea to the Sabres for Bogosian? Shea has been a disappointment the last two seasons. Meanwhile, Bogosian comes off the books after this season, freeing up $5 million, would also move Lindgren or Fox up to the first line with Truba. Well, I mean, I guess that makes some sense from a money standpoint. It would depend on how the Buffalo Sabres felt about Brady Shea. I mean, Brady Shea has been a pretty good player for the Rangers. I know that, you know, people watch the team night in and night out, you know, pick these guys apart. But, I mean, they have right-shot defenders. They don't have as many left-shot defenders. I mean, if they have guys that they feel are going to step in and can do that job and Buffalo would be interested in that player, then maybe it makes some cap sense. But, I mean, you're giving away a a player that's, uh, you know, He's a pretty good player in this league that's going to play for a long time. It's got good size. It skates well. And, you know, it's still relatively young. So, um, you know, again, I think when you have a cap issue, you think about different ways to uh, to figure that out. But, uh, you know, I don't see where uh, Bogosian would even – I mean, he would just be obviously you're getting him to let him go and to save the money. But yeah, I don't think there would even be a place for him to play on this team this year based on the right side defense that the right. Rangers have right now. So, I mean, it's a – Listen, if you're willing to give away Brady Shea, basically, and that's what you're willing to do to create cap space, then I guess uh, you know you can do it. But just know you're giving away a guy that's, uh, that skates well, he's got good size, he's relatively young, he can still play, and he's going to play in this league for a long time, in my view. Yeah, he's kind of gotten picked apart by Ranger fans. I still think he's a pretty good player. And, boy, I've there's really always, been – There's always somebody, and, like, you know, yeah. a guy like that will go to another team and play well, and they'll be like, why did we trade this guy? <laughs> so, I mean, that's – that's the nature of things, and it's been that way with a lot, any any fan base. I think that you would, you know, there are guys that just become whipping boys for the for the franchise for whatever reason, and maybe Brady Shea has fallen into that. I mean, I think he's he's had his ups and downs, uh, as a lot of guys do. It's a hard position, but you know, I think that uh, if the Buffalo Sabers could make that deal, they'd probably make it in a minute because they'd add a player. Now it would depend on their cap circumstance as well, but uh, you know, Brady Shea is a guy that's had couple hundred games of NHL experience now, and he skates well. And I think, like I said, he's gonna, I think he's going to play in this league for a while. All right, let's buzz a couple of here before we let you go, and we do appreciate right. the time. Uh, David, any any thoughts on who Carolina's opponent could be in the stadium series in 2021? Uh, there's been some of, you know, some spe- you know, listen, people speculate or people like to see who they want. And, like, some people are saying, well, it should be Pittsburgh because of Jimmy Rutherford's connection to Carolina. And I can understand that. That would be – they're pretty good rivals, and uh, you know Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are a draw still, and 
you know, I could see that being a possibility. I could, you know, it would be a good opportunity maybe to get the Florida Panthers into like an outdoor yeah. game. I mean, they're a, a team that has, uh, you know, fellow Southeastern uh, division, you know, they're, they're not in the same division anymore, but uh, they were at one time and they're, you know, there's a regional uh, thing there alone. Like, let's face it. I mean, Raleigh and, and uh, Sunrise Florida are not like right next door to each other, but you know, Tampa Bay could fit that bill as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, you look in that division as well. Like, if you go for more of a di- divisional opponent, uh, you know, Tampa would be, would, 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 I guess, or excuse me, uh, you know, you're looking at Rangers or, or maybe, or Pittsburgh, you know, Washington. Washington. Washington has had a rivalry with them because of the recent playoffs here. That would be so, a I mean, team, I think. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Donnie, these are not things that keep me up at night. No, no, they shouldn't. Uh, they are not. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, everybody, you know, people are fans of certain teams. And I'd, I'd like to see new teams in there just because people have well, complained about that forever, right? Oh, we see the same teams. So for me, if it was the Florida Panthers or somebody different, I'd be excited for that franchise to have an opportunity yeah. to play on that stage. And, and again, I don't – whoever they choose, whether it's a team like Pittsburgh, which we see a lot, or a team like Florida, which we've never seen, again, for me, literally, it will make no difference. No, of course. But but here's the, here's the thing. This is not the Winter Classic where you've got to get yeah, the eyeballs not. to the TV. The stadium series was literally created to get teams that had little or no shot to play in the Winter Classic, an outdoor game. And so that's what they were hoping for. And, they, and listen, they, 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 they want to get people to watch. They want to have interest in it. But that's basically what it was for. It's like you had the stadium series at Yankee Stadium so that the Islanders and the Devils can get a chance to play in an outdoor game. You had the stadium series at Dodger Stadium so that the Ducks had a shot at playing yeah. in it. So Carolina playing, saying, say, the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Florida Panthers or something is a yeah. chance to give those teams. The Capitals will get their Winter Classic, right? Yeah. Um, the Carolina's not. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And let's and this was kind of talked about too. And it just it's unfortunate the traffic situation on on Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Columbus would be another one. You mentioned them. I'd like to see that too because Columbus is not a team that gets those opportunities. And you know, Seth Jones is a really high profile player, as is Zach Wierenski. And uh, you know, I think you could probably travel from Columbus, Ohio, to Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, within reason, and uh, you'd have. You know, that's what I think made the Winter Classic this year so successful is that it wasn't uh, an overly difficult thing to travel from Nashville to Dallas. Right. And so you had a lot of you had a lot of Nashville Predators fans that were there that day. So, uh, you know, that might be one that would be really cool to see the Blue Jackets get in there. But, you know, again, television has a lot to do with it. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. All right. We took up a lot of your time. If we didn't get to your tweets, we'll try to get to them again tomorrow. I have one, I have one thing I'd like to ask. Oh, please. And it's a, it's a hockey thing. So it's not a frivolous thing that I might normally throw in at this point, but it's the Blake Coleman trade. Right. Because I just wanted to, because it was one of those deals, Donnie, that one, like, I like Blake Coleman as a player. And I think devil fans really like him. He's been kind of a uh, silver lining in some ways to a, uh, a difficult season. For the Devils, and uh, you know, people would say, "Well, you're trading Blake Coleman. Why are you trading him?" And you know, I get it because he's been a good player, and he's one of those guys you really root for, and he plays in all the tough situations in a game, and he's in the battle. It's one of the reasons why the Tampa Bay Lightning wanted him. But from a Devils perspective, he's 28 years old, and he's making 1.8 this year, which is great. He's making 1.8 next year, which is great. 
But when his contract expires, the, you know, and if he continues to play well and put up that 20, 25 goals, he's going to be looking for like five or six years times five or six million dollars at 30. And the Devils are, you know, listening to their interim GM, Tommy Fitzgerald, who I think really would be, the Devils would be wise to make him their manager. I just was very impressed with his demeanor and the way he's gone about things so far. But uh, I think that, you know, he talked about the idea of we need to acquire uh, players that are going to grow with Jack and Nico in that age window. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I think they love Blake Coleman. I think they, you know, in a a perfect world or a different world, they would keep him. But I just think that because of his age and because of what he's likely going to be looking for in his next contract, this was the optimum time to trade him if they could get a first-round pick and a player of significance and in that age window in terms of being a prospect. And, you know, Foot is is somebody that was, is very highly thought of, a big, strong forward. They get a first-round pick if this year, if Vancouver makes the playoffs, it'll be this year. If they miss, it'll be next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so... For me, you know, when I really thought about it, I was like, you know what, that makes a lot of sense for the Devils to go in that way because this is a rebuild around Jack and Nico at this point. Sure. And it just makes sense to do it. So that's my two cents. I just did want – I wanted to get that in because I know a lot of Devils fans listen and they might be you know, disappointed to see Blake Coleman go. But I think, you know, when you look at the big picture for the Devils, I think it made a lot of sense. And if, if you fast-forward a year – the Devils might be in a similar situation next year as they continue to rebuild, and Blake Coleman on an expiring contract will not bring you the same value. So I think that's why it was a good move by Tommy Fitzgerald, and I think it was a good move by Julian Brisbois because he gets a really helpful player for a team. He's a good fit there in Tampa, so uh, we'll see how it plays out long term. And you just to throw something else out as well, you know, the Rangers uh, made a deal with Carolina. Uh, Julian Gauthier goes to the Rangers uh, in exchange for Keane. Keane was called up. Joey Keane. Yeah. Joey Keane was called up because there was a possibility Stahl wasn't going to play in Columbus because he had the flu. But to me, this is just, hey, listen, they've got so many defensemen, right? Go out and get a big, young yeah. forward who's got a little bit of NHL experience. He's played five games, yeah. but I, I think that yeah. kind of makes sense for both teams. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, like, let's face it. Carolina is looking for depth on the blue line right now. They lost Dougie Hamilton to injury. Uh, I'll be curious to see. They seem to think they seem to give, or give me off the impression that they're going to stand pat more than make any move. I'm not so convinced about that, but you know, it's uh, it's one of those depth moves that teams make to kind of shore up on the back end. And you're right, the Rangers have been fortunate. They've got a lot of, you know, they've got a lot of good, uh, you know, a lot of good defensemen in their group, and particularly right shot defensemen, which is they're hard to come by. All right, go spread good cheer and goodwill the rest of I your will. day. All right. As only right. you know how. That's well, you know, I do what I can, Don. As do you. That's all that's all uh, that's all anybody that's ever all asks. Do. That's just, all we can just, do, Don. Really. That is really all, all we, we can, can do, do is all we can do. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly. All right, buddy. All right, we'll talk to you next week, man. You got Take it. Care. We're going to do again, and thanks to EJ Raddick. If you want to, you know, coverage like no other, NHL Network, NHL um, Now, from four to six p.m. Eastern time, and it usually comes on on Monday, but we did Tuesday today because of President's Day yesterday, and we're going to do it Tuesday next week because why do it on the deadline when so much is going to be happening? So Tuesday we'll be able to recap 
all of the deals. Kind of a busy uh, NHL tonight. Blue Jackets, again, reeling with all the injuries. They'll be in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers. as a front end of a home-and-home home there. Uh, Maple Leafs in Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins. Senators home for the Sabres. Canadians at the Red Wings. Looks like uh, Shea Weber is going to be back from Montreal tonight. The Devils are in St. Louis to take on the Blues. That's an 8 o'clock start at 8 o'clock as well. The Predators, who are still hanging around, will take on that Hurricanes team that's still hanging around. And at 8 o'clock tonight, the Kings and the Jets from Winnipeg uh, to Foley gone for Los Angeles. So they're trading pieces away. And Winnipeg, you know, has played well, but they just have a lot of work to do to try to get uh, into the playoffs. So we're going to be back with you again tomorrow. We, of course, will have Leah Hextall as we do every Wednesday. So whatever other deals happen, kind of recap the day and get closer and closer to the deadline, which will be coming up on Monday. Thanks a lot for joining us. Want to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.